Welcome everyone to the next podcast. Uh, this is a uh, a trial here. My wife got me, actually all of you in some ways, something for Christmas. She got me a brand new professional podcast mic, uh, doing away with all my big crazy riggings and mechanisms and everything that I'm used to using. It's going to make it to where, once I figure this out real well, make me uh, more mobile, uh, able to do more podcasts uh, easier and control the equipment and and carry it around a lot better. Uh, To me, uh, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast with headphones, so this is kind of awkward to hear myself so well through the headphones while I'm speaking. Also, I feel like this mic is super, super sensitive, picks up every single little sound, so there may be some tweaking and, and stuff I have to work through, some bugs I have to work through to get this totally right. But nevertheless, this is podcast number 17. Um, the last couple of podcasts, number 15, number 16, one was about home missions and ministry, getting it started. Uh, the next one was about uh, home missions and ministry, keeping it going. This is all a, a four-part series that I did at Ozark Bible Institute uh, towards the end of last year. And um, this is part three, uh, Media and Missions. Media and Missions. Um, I'm in my office um, on the third floor overlooking downtown Sapulpa. There is traffic behind me at times, cars and trucks. I'm right next to the railroad track. Sometimes a train will go through. If a train goes through, I have this cool new thing now where I can just mute it, and we'll see how that works. And um, if you hear other noises and things, it's just me in my office late one evening uh, trying to produce this material for you. So let's get started on media and missions. Why, how, and when to use media for missions and ministry. We're talking about media. Uh, We're obviously not talking about newspapers, magazines, television ads, or anything like that. We're talking about modern media, electronic media, social media. Why, how, and when to use these types of media for missions and ministry. The why and the when is very simple. It's the how that we'll have to deal with eventually. Why? Because it's where everyone is. It is what everyone is doing. Not using media for missions and ministry, electronic media, internet media for missions and ministry right now, would be like finding the most remote area out in the middle of the Mojave Desert where there are no human beings for hundreds of miles and making sure in advance there's not a single soul anywhere in sight and then opening up a church there. Nobody's there. I want to make this disclaimer at the very beginning here. We all know, or at least we should know, that there are many, many very serious dangers involved with social media and internet interaction. I do not discount that at all, but that is not what I'm supposed to be speaking about here this evening. Today, uh, I'm talking about more how to use it correctly, especially in ministry. That's, that's the, the why, because that's where everyone is. The when is always. 
You will never live in an age where media isn't right for ministry ever again. Your job is finding the right media tool and using it correctly. For example, I've run many businesses in my life. I'm running businesses right now. Uh, I managed a group of grocery stores as a very young man. I managed a paint company. Uh, shortly after that, I managed um, some rent-to-own stores and companies for a while. I owned and ran a landscaping business, and uh, I currently run a rustic furniture store that was uh, had originally been a thrift store. Till about six years ago, I utilized everything from flyers to mailers to high school sports posters to newspaper ads to yellow pages <coughs> to radio spots and I even considered uh, magazines and TV spots at times. Today, I use none of those. Zero. And I'm pretty sure that I never will spend another penny on air or ad prints again for the rest of my life. It would be an absolute waste of resources at this time. Now, I spend all of my retail advertising time trying to get the perfect mix of Google ads, Facebook ads, Facebook campaign, campaigns, email collection ads, and interactive website campaigns. Missions and ministry are operating side by side with companies and corporations in the same internet realities. They each have a little different set of rules, but the mechanisms are the same. They're all trying to reach people. Here are some points of interest uh, in trying to figure out the how. Point number one, have a website. If you have a functioning ministry without a website, I have no idea what you're going to accomplish. Not in 2019. If you didn't have a, a functioning website for your ministry in 2011, 2012, you were behind the curve. It was odd and awkward. Uh, if you didn't have one in 2002 or 2003, you were probably in a pretty good-sized crowd that still didn't. If you have a fully functioning ministry in 2020 now, we're, we're three days into 2020, and you don't have a website. I don't. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're going to accomplish. The the first person that wants to go to your church, or gets invited to your church, or wants to donate to your ministry, is immediately going to go search for your website. And when they can't find it, they're going to completely dismiss you, almost across the board. People's dogs have websites now. Uh, I know it's stupid and ridiculous, but that's how absorbing the Internet is. And to have a fully functioning ministry without one is just, it should be unheard of at this point. Now, I have a theory on this, and, and we're going to test it. I've taught it all over the country for about the last 18 months. We currently live just a handful of years into an era that I call website or nothing. The website or nothing era is the space of time that you and I live in that's been for the last few years and will be for the next several years. 
either you have a website or you're not taken seriously. Now, almost everybody agrees with me at this point that we are in that period of time and that that statement is true. What I don't find a lot of people agreeing with me on is that I believe that technology is speeding up at such a high rate and new things are coming along and better interaction is happening on an almost daily, weekly, monthly for sure basis that I believe that there is quickly coming a time in the next 10, 12, 15 years, maybe it'll prove me even shorter than that, where websites are dinosaurs. And it goes back to that point where very few, if anybody, have a website anymore. But not for the reason of the way it used to be. Now it'll be because technology has came up with better, more interactive, greater things that everybody has moved on to and nobody goes on websites anymore. That hasn't happened yet. It won't happen for quite some period of time, years for sure. But we are in the website or nothing period of time right now. It will not last forever, but that's where we are right now. Point number two, point number one was have a website. Point number two, know the platform and the audience. First, let's look at the platform. Uh, Twitter, let's take Twitter as an example, is traditionally a quick look or quick summary type platform. Twitter is a very fast, rapid, moving and using platform. I know that you can put an article on there and, and you can do some other things now, but it is an extra click and an extra download away. And that's generally not why people go on Twitter. So you, you will probably get less of what you're looking for by putting a long written out thing or a long uh, video of some sort on Twitter. Twitter works best uh, the more of a public figure that you are. A movie star or a professional singer will use it more effectively than a local company. A local school board member should be able to use it more effectively than just a local student. All of these examples are if all other components are equal. The more quote-unquote famous or known you are, the better uh, Twitter is going to work for you. Facebook has more humor than Twitter. It's very complicated to be funny on Twitter. Twitter is notorious for its vehement disagreements, arguments, fights, and beatdowns. Facebook can be very, very rough as well, don't get me wrong, uh, but nowhere near as hot as Twitter. Facebook can be grown a lot faster. Facebook is much more organic. Facebook has um, easier rules on having different kinds of accounts and businesses and nonprofits and public figures and stuff like that. Facebook users are more consistent. Facebook is easier to promote. Facebook is more personal. Twitter is more newsy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about ones that I use and have been able to uh, uh, grow very large groups in, ones that I've been, uh, I would consider very effective with. Uh, I'm leaving out things like Instagram and others because I don't have them and I've never really mastered them. Um, 
Understand that there are other platforms besides your so social media that are very adaptable when used correctly to get a message out. Websites, blogs, podcasts like this one we're on right now. Some examples of strong points of these are a website can have almost unlimited resources added to it and the same information can be seen by thousands and thousands of different people over and over and over again and it never goes away. It stays right there on that page. You can change the information between small platforms that are linked to the website and easier to change and manipulate and, and, and the website stays the same. So in other words the website page, like like Facebook, you put something on Facebook and within just uh, a few hours it's already out of people's feeds and if you put a lot of things on Facebook like I do, I, I post 10, 20, 30, 50 things a day on Facebook. Um, some of myself, some of them other people are posting them for me, some of them are timed to, to show up at different times. Um, but it pushes them way down. Even if somebody goes to my page to find something that I said yesterday, they're, they're going to have a hard time finding it. A website, you put it on that page and it stays on that page. You can put uh, changing, quickly changing information on Facebook, on Twitter, on your blog, on your different things. And you can link them into pages uh, on your website so that people can catch that other information too. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, when you're when you're doing something like that, blogs are great for creating storylines, developing doctrinal points, telling about a trip, an event, or a personal life. Um, things that are longer than Facebook, uh, things that are longer than Twitter belong on Facebook. Things that are longer than Facebook, and you and you desire less input than Facebook, and things that are more easily accessible over and over again are for blogs. Uh, are great for things like that. Uh, a blog is something that I, for example, one of my blogs, the hmaministries.blogspot.com, it, it has, uh, I, I put things that I studied out about alcohol, about drugs, about depression, about homosexuality, about uh, all of these different hot button issues, divorce and remarriage, uh, interracial uh, relationships, all these hot button issues, I put um, uh, articles that I wrote on there and then throughout the years when somebody's asking questions on Facebook, on Twitter, um, in text, through email about this, I don't have to go back in these big old long explanations and try to remember everything I studied. I just copy that link from that blog and anybody that goes to that blog can automatically see those right away and it, it lasts forever. Um, you know, that the, the the, the thing about the website is my Twitter account, my blog, my Facebook pages, my website, my uh, this this here podcast, they're all linked to my face to my website. Uh, all of our other ministry websites are linked to my website. The website can be this big huge behemoth of a of a of a media networking piece that you can you know, uh, people can access many, many, many different uh, avenues of your ministry and, and avenues of your media through. The other thing um, was was to know the audience. The, the point number one was have a website. Point number two was to know the platform and the audience. We just got done talking about the platform. Now we're talking about the audience. Um, 
<laughs> lots of people think they understand social media because they've been on it for just a little while, but social media can be very tricky. People get on it for a while and they can't stand it and they get off and they don't like the arguing and, and things. Uh, there's lots of tools built into social media. If you learn them, you learn who to who to block and who to pause and and who to delete and 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 who to hide and which comments to hide and and uh, how to how to say things and and what works well on each platform. Then then they begin to work very well in your favor. But you've got to know the audience. Uh, for example, you know most uh, people that. Uh, that know me personally are holiness people, Pentecostal American people. So th there's there's a, a huge flaw that I have found. It's 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 a benefit and it's a detraction. It's hard. I, I call it a flaw because I'm looking at just the negative side of it. But um, a lot of the church people that I fellowship, the American Pentecostals, especially the the ones that call themselves holiness, they you know they, they're such a tight knit family, and it's amazing. When it when it works correctly, everybody loves everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody expects you. Everybody believes about the same thing. Everybody has the same general causes and wants to help e each other and support each other. Uh, of course, unless they figure out that you know you you don't like or believe something that they like or believe. That's a whole other podcast. But you know, uh, because I'm a holiness preacher and because people know my name or have heard me preach or or know my pastor or something like that, they'll meet me somewhere. And, and they'll just immediately, you know, take to me and, and begin to talk to me like I'm their family member or I'm their friend. And in some ways, that's good. In some ways, it's not so good. On social media, it can be horrible because uh, most of the church people that I know that are in, in the, those categories, they have one, two, three, four, five hundred friends on social media and they're all Pentecostals they're all holiness believing people they only friend people that they think or assume believe just like they believe and are going to talk like they talk and are going to uh, say and agree with the same things they say and agree with now my social media pages are different I have tens of thousands of followers and and uh, many 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 different groups and for atheists and homosexuals and liberals and Republicans and Democrats and independents and 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 Buddhists and and people from other countries and and all walks of life and because I'm trying to reach people I'm not trying to just reaffirm that I agree with a handful small group of people and make myself feel good on social media or that was a negative way and or positively I'm not just trying to to uh, get along with and agree with and 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 strengthen one another, uh, you know, the, of people I agree with. Either I'm trying to use it as missions, and ministry and outreach. So when I say something about religion in general, or even Christianity in general, I, I no longer come from it from the standpoint that most people that I fellowship come from it. You know, they they talk about religion as if they're they're mostly talking about people that believe just like us, the handful of people in the world that believe just like us. And and I, I if I mention Christianity, I'm talking about Christianity. If I mention the Bible, I'm talking about the Bible as it stands alone and not the way we've interpreted it. And and so somebody will hop on my page and comment something very, very narrow about a holiness outward standard or something trying to comment about this very broad, very 
basic uh, Christian principle or biblical principle. And so I'll have to delete their comment or, or, or go in the private message and, and reach out to them and explain to them um, you know, why they can't do that and, and why my audience is different and broader and, and why I don't necessarily agree with everything they say and that's, that's not appropriate to come on my page and do that. They don't know who they might hurt. You know, they may come across very harshly against uh, uh, homosexuals or something and not just calling it sin or something, but actually name-calling or whatever, uh, thinking that I'm just going to agree with that and I absolutely don't agree with that. And there, and there are definitely hundreds of, of homosexuals that are my friends on social media. Some of them are very conservative, some of them are very liberal, some of them claim to be Christian, some of them don't. Uh, I don't believe necessarily you could be a Christian and be homosexual, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to love them and win them and get opportunities to reach their heart, their mind, their conscience, and, and see the Spirit of God move and, and convict them and, and, and me be there for them if they ever have a question of, you know, coming to the light, things like that. And, and so if somebody keeps doing things like that very much, they cause me lots of extra effort, and I've, I will eventually block them because they don't understand the audience. Understanding the audience is huge. Also, Facebook is a much older crowd than the other platforms. That's understanding the audience. Facebook is in many ways a very low-tech community of older people. Now think for a moment what I just said. Facebook, think about this as, as a ministry person, a ministry leader. Facebook is a much older, much more low-tech community. If you're in ministry, what does that say to you? I know what it says to me. When I understand that Facebook is an older, more low-tech community, that tells me that's someplace I should be doing fundraising. And we fundraise very, very well on Facebook. Because older people, as a general rule, have more money. And people that are less technologically inclined in 2020 are going to spend a lot less of their income on technology in 2020. So Facebook lends itself to fundraising. So what would probably be a very poor fundraising platform and why? Thinking as a ministry leader, what would probably be a very poor fundraising platform and why? Maybe what we're doing right now, podcasts. Because podcasts is your youngest crowd. This is the kind of thinking that we need to do if we're going to do these things correctly. Podcast is your millennials. Millennials, as a general rule, have less. Although we're finding some new studies telling us that millennials are willing to give higher percentages of their income to causes that they believe in than the last three or four generations. That's something else to think about as we, as we proceed. Now, the good news is we don't have to overthink or even think right because all of the analytics involved nowadays. This is a word and an understanding uh, that I came across just in the last several years, and it's very important and very powerful. Everything anymore has analytics behind it. Analytics is the professional studies of exactly the best ways, worst ways, best kinds, worst kinds, best times, worst times 
of, of every platform, every media platform. It, it's a way to teach you how to be more effective at what you're trying to do. And some, some of these platforms give you some free analytics. Some of them charge you for analytics. Some of them charge you for just better analytics. And, and I've learned to pay quite a bit uh, for better analytics because it more than makes itself up. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, Facebook. I go in, I spend a lot of money on Facebook. Um, maybe not as money, much as some other people I know, uh, but as far as the general public goes, uh, I'm spending a lot of money on Facebook. Me and Facebook are pretty tight, believe it or not. I, I would think because they, they, I'm sure they're smart enough to, to kind of care for the people that are spending money on there uh, and even more about than they do just people just popping on and, and reading stuff and putting up pictures of their macho nachos and all of that stuff. So, um, uh, for example, my business that I'm at right now, Rustic Furniture Saving Place, we, um, we've been taught by the best of the best, uh, one of my mentors and business partners, uh, and we're learning more and more from him all the time about analytics, about looking into them. One thing may, may shock a lot of you, maybe not some of you, but uh, of all the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that we spend on advertising our, our furniture on, on Facebook, I spend 100% of my money advertising specifically to women. I spend $0 advertising furniture to men. Men don't buy furniture, women do. And even when men do, it's because their women told them to or convinced them to uh, or showed them which one or whatever. Almost all furniture purchases at the bottom line is, is happening because of women. So we don't waste money advertising to men. We spend all of our money advertising to women. Now, my style of furniture and uh, the price range of our furniture, we, we target very specific groups. Uh, financial groups, gender groups, uh, rural groups, as opposed to city groups. We don't advertise in, in the city very heavily. We advertise in the country a lot. We advertise to women and not men. We advertise to women that are 35 to 65 years old. We don't advertise to 21-year-olds. We don't advertise to 85-year-olds. So there's there's ways to really figure a lot of this stuff out. And I'm talking about the business side of it now because it's easy for you to understand and for me to explain. But it works very, very well in ministry as well. So we've talked about uh, have a website, know your platform, know your audience. And now we're going to talk about point number three, which is building social media by being real. Building social media by being real. To be fair, I do not know a whole lot about social media or websites or analytics or any of this stuff that I'm teaching about today compared to actual experts. What I do know quite a bit about is people. And at the other end of every electronic transfer of communication is a person. And at the other end of every electronic transfer of communication is a person. We can't forget that. Many people use electronic forms of communication to say things 
and get things out there and get things off their chest that they would, would never dare say face to face to any other human being. This is a trap and a trick. This is why people get on Facebook and then get off so easily, so quickly. They don't like the, the arguing. They don't like the fighting. They don't like the craziness. They don't like the, the, the sinfulness, whatever. A lot of that has to do with the fact that people are so willing to be somebody that they're not behind a screen when they wouldn't be that person to your face. The world as a whole greatly discounts that kind of use of the Internet. We see it. We understand it now. We get it. We've been doing this for a long time. And we don't like it. When growing a ministry support crowd especially, do not say anything through typing or over a screen that you wouldn't get up and say in your business, in your home, in your church. Especially talking about ministry support crowds. Do not ever say anything in typing or in screen that you wouldn't say in a pulpit or in a lectern. And the rules for me, personally, are now even stricter than that. I shouldn't say anything that I wouldn't get up and say in front of everyone at an international airport or everyone at the Christian Law Association or everyone at the bus depot in downtown uh, Oklahoma City. Because my audience is so much more diverse than just yours. So much larger. And, and it's coming from so many different directions. So you have to build by being who you really are. Fakeness on social media is a plague. Uh, taking pictures and not posting them without filters and getting perfect angles of yourself every time and, and trimming and cutting and highlighting and, and, and not just the images but the way people say things and what they say, only putting out the best possible content, putting themselves in their, their ministry and their world and their family in the greatest possible light. You would think that they never make mistakes, that they never eat macaroni and cheese, that they never get in arguments, that they never have to apologize, that they never have a bad hair day, that they've never been depressed, and people aren't buying it anymore. That worked. That worked really well in the last decade. It's not working anymore. People want ministers and ministries that are real. The last couple of generations spend a lot of effort putting on a production. And these next couple of generations aren't buying it. They want straight talk. You look at what's going on in the, in the mega churches and in the bigger churches and in the, the greatly, quickly, rapidly growing churches around the country. You got the guys standing up there in the blue jeans and the t-shirt and he's reading out of the Bible and he's talking about a uh, argument he had with his wife and then he read the scripture and felt convicted and had to apologize and I, I'm not saying that that's what I'm after here or what you should be after here it's neither here nor there what I'm saying is that's what's working right now is real and it is more so now than at any other time it seems to work better when it is mostly about your ministry and quite a bit about your family, 
and a little bit about some mistakes you made, and every once in a while a pet peeve that you may have that you explain correctly, and then some strategic fundraising, an acknowledgement of someone falling out with you over something you said or did. Real life. Staging is a thing of the past. Staging. Oh, I wish I could get a whole bunch of 40, 50, 60 year old great godly men and women to hear that and understand that. Staging is in the past now. Dressing exactly just right and fixing it all up, decorating it exactly just right, getting the cameras right and the lights right and the, the tone right and the mood right and the song right. Some people I know personally are just now getting around to doing some good staging and it's too late. It's time to just be real. Now we've talked about having a website, knowing your platform, knowing your audience, building by being real. And this last one is, is a tough one. Uh, I call it spending capital. We're still talking about um, using media for missions and ministry. And, and this one, I, I'll never get to it. I should do a whole podcast series just on this topic, but I'm going to try to do it a little bit of justice right here before I'm done. Spending capital, it's humongous. This is probably the last thing uh, that I'll get to, I'm sure, because I can't get to all of it right now. And, and it's very tricky, to say the least, but it's still super important. And, and, and you folks listening are, are some smart, smart people, so I want to try to get this across for you. Uh, this could be a little bit controversial because this is a political financial term, spending capital. And it is mostly political in nature, but it is a tool that everyone uses whether consciously or unconsciously, pretty much every day of your life, you're spending, you're using the, the idea of spending capital. Think about it this way. We're, we're all gaining or losing, quote-unquote, points with each other. You buy your wife roses and, and uh, you, you gain a little capital. You put a little, you get some points, you put some money in the account. You put some money in the account. Uh, you forget to pick her up on time because you were hanging out with your buddies and you weren't paying attention to the clock and, and you lose. That costs you some money out of the account. You lose some points. You lose some capital. It works with a student to a teacher, a teacher to a student, a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband, a boss to an employee, employee to a boss, a friend to a friend. And it applies very, very much on social media. I use the idea of spending capital consciously every single day. I make sure that I'm not just attacking, 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 even in areas where I feel like need attacked, and I make sure that I don't spend all my capital and end up with no money in the account for some desperate need that I have to spend it on. It's, it's the, old, uh, the old adage or the old saying, uh, uh, you know, pick your battles. You know, you used to hear the phrase, is this, is this the hill you're going to choose to die on? 
with social media, you need to build a, a reputation of being real and being honest and doing good outreach and having a good understanding of scripture and, and supporting right causes and 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 uh, take loving your family and being a good friend and 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 all of these things and, and you're you're building capital so that when you have to come down on something or you have to take something on or somebody takes you on and you have to defend that point or it's time to really stand for against abortion or it's time to really uh, stand against sin or it's it's time to really make a clear point on something that's going to uh, possibly hurt somebody or, or, or rub some people wrong. You, you, you're not coming across to somebody that's just looking for fights to pick or, or you're just against everybody and everything or you're just out there thinking you're better than everyone else or you have to build up money in the account to spend. And if, if you understand this well and you're good at, at seeing it and understanding it, you can go back on my blogs and go back on my Facebook pages and even go back on this very uh, podcast series right here uh, and and you could you can look and you could see how I pull the people in by by giving them opportunities to hear things and understand things that they they need to hear and they need to understand and 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 encouraging them and and promoting the good things that they do and and working with them and showing them the the, the right things that, that we all agree on that need to be happening and that we're involved in them in the community and then when the time arises. I stand against something. I I go way out on a limb. I, I push the envelope farther than than I have before. And 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 I feel that and I see that. I watch that and I calculate that I'm spending that capital. Now, this sounds like a very political thing, and it is a political thing by definition. It really is. But I'm sincere about it, and you need to be sincere about it. We we get it. We see people just blowing smoke and, and just fluffing and puffing and huffing and, and just just blowing roses at everybody and, and we see the, the, the over sweet, over candy, fake, fluffy side of things and, and we get that. We know when somebody's being fake. And we don't like that, but we also don't like somebody that they're always harping on the same thing over and over and over again, and they're always negative, or they're always against everybody, they're always pushing the envelope, and they never back down, and they're never wrong. We don't like that either. So we've learned to be careful. Careful in two directions. Careful, number one, to save up capital, to get money in the account, get money in the account, get money in the account, to get people liking and understanding and loving our causes and what we're doing, and not overspending, not trying to be somebody's authority when they don't have any confidence in us. We're careful to get capital. But the other thing we're careful to do, and this is where I see more mistakes than the other, and that is once there is capital, cap, capital, find the things, the godly things, the kingdom things to spend them on and spend them wisely, but spend them. I know a lot of people 
that don't even care about capital. They just go out and just guns a blazing and it doesn't matter and, and nobody takes them seriously. But I also know a lot more people, especially leaders, especially ministers, that they go out and they save and they save and they save and they get capital and they get capital and get a whole bunch of money in the bank in the account money in the accounts and then they just sit back and hope to basically retire on their great grand reputation. They're just glad that everybody likes them, glad that everybody loves them, glad that everybody approves of them, and they want to keep it that way, and they wouldn't dare spend that capital on anything, no matter how good and godly and right the cause would be for what it might do to their reputation. We are working and putting forth effort here every day at HMA to gain capital and spend it wisely and be careful not to spend it all at the same time. Knowing that, if you listen to this podcast and you understand what I just explained here at the end, I think you'll see some of the things that we do a little differently. So this was it. This was part number three, media and missions. Why, how, and when to use media for missions and ministry. And uh, we talked about the, the when is all the time. And the why is because that's where everyone is. The how is, is kind of the complicated uh, part of it all, but you need to have a website, you need to know your platforms, you need to understand your audience, you need to build by being real, and you need to learn and practice and pray over the concept of spending capital. Glad to be able to do another podcast here. Appreciate all of our listeners, all of the questions that are still coming in. Uh, we will get back to more questions again. Appreciate your comments very, very much. It's been a struggle to get through some of these things. And, um, and uh, your, your comments, your, your emails, your texts, your Facebook messages have, have just helped us tremendously. tremendously. We, we love you and we appreciate the outpouring and the support. If you want to help finance... A lot of these things we're doing, including these podcasts, please uh, send your offerings to uh, HMA P.O. Box 12, Sepulpa, Oklahoma, 74067, or go on the website, uh, hmaministries.com, and give there. God bless you, and uh, I'll try to get the small, last little fourth uh, part of this in soon, uh, this little bitty series here. Uh, the last little bit is... Uh, the topics to use and why on Facebook Live and on podcasts when doing ministry, topics to use and why to use them on Facebook Live and podcasts for ministry, and then we'll get back into some of our regular, hopefully having another uh, uh, live audience uh, participation podcast sometime in February. God bless you.